Welcome to the Political Economy Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Pethokoukas of the American Enterprise Institute. Each week, I feature a lively conversation with experts on some of the most important economic and policy questions of our time. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider rating and reviewing it on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. Ratings and reviews really help with the podcast visibility, and I always appreciate the feedback. Thanks, and on to the show. Today, I'm speaking with Matt Horahan to discuss the decline in federal support for science research over the past half century and the recent movement in Congress to reverse this decline. Matt is the director of the R&D Budget and Policy Program for the American Association for the Advancement of Science, where he focuses on past, present, and future federal science budgets. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Why has federal R&D spending declined by so much since the Apollo era? I mean, I guess one explanation is that we quit spending money on rockets, but is that the only reason? I mean, that's a big reason. Um, so if we disaggregate the federal R&D budget into its component parts, right, you've got basic science, which is you know, all about pure discovery. Um, you've got applied science or applied research, which is about taking those fundamental discoveries and doing something useful with them. Then you've got development which is you know, really about um, you know, uh, uh, developing and establishing and demonstrating new technologies, um, you know, mostly for defense purposes, historically, that's, that's where that money has gone. Uh, and it's that, that latter category that has come down uh, the most substantially, right? If, if um, you know, basic science has been quite a bit more stable, which is Usually that's a surprising fact when, when, when a lot of people learn that, right? There's an idea that, that basic science has, uh, you know, has totally cratered, but actually it peaked as a share of GDP, funded by the federal government, um, that is, uh, in, in a, around 2003. So this, this, the big historical decline you've identified, it's, it's, it's mostly development. Uh, and it's really you know, primarily for two sources. It's, it's, it's Apollo. You know, we had a big, big surge in spending and uh, in, in, in space-related R&D, specifically around, around the space race. Um, but then it's also defense spending, which, again, is primarily development. You know, as the Cold War went on, there were some, you know, the defense R&D for development kind of waxed and waned. There were some surges here and there. There was a, an increase in the Reagan years. Um, but for the most part, as a share of GDP, defense R&D has come down um, you know, uh, for development has come down fairly dramatically. Um, and so that's, that's really the, has been the biggest driver. And there's been some other development spending for, you know, in the seventies, for example, we had some energy related uh, developmental spending, but, you know, but, but the big drivers, again, it's Apollo and it's, and it's defense that have relatively come down. The decline in research spending seems kind of alarming, but it's been going on for a long time. Why does it seem like we're discovering this problem only just now? That's a good question. Um, I, I, you know, I, so on the one hand, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's been ongoing for quite a long time. I don't know, um, you know, if it's, you know, how new the kind of the, the, the discovery is that it's happening. Um, certainly, I think a big driver in, uh, you know, an interest in, 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 in federal R&D, um, um, you know, to some extent is China, right? And more generally, the the, the rise of uh, international science and technology, the rise of international competitiveness, um, you know, threats to U.S. competitiveness. Um, you know, beyond China, we've got, you know, like Germany and Korea and Taiwan, and there's lots of, of other, um, you know, Japan, of course, lots of other relative powers in, in, uh, in R&D. 
Um, but I think that fact, you know, certainly has provided something of a, uh, you know, a focusing point, um, certainly for Congress, um, who you know, seems to be talking about China and, and you know, threats to competitiveness uh, and, and, and whatnot, um, you know, on a daily basis. You know, so I think that's, you know, perhaps one of the big one of the big drivers. But again, you know, the idea of, of, of federal R&D um, as an important component of national competitiveness, that in and of itself is not a new observation. We can go back to the 1980s. Uh, you know, a lot of folks don't know this. President Reagan actually called for uh, the doubling of the National Science Foundation. And I believe it was his final um, State of the Union address. Um, of course, competitiveness was a big issue in the 80s as well, as you, know, you well know. So. Um, you know, so it's. I, I think this is a topic that it's. 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 You know, certainly in its in in a. You know, it's in the spotlight right now, um, and this certainly seems like an inflection point. I mean, Congress again, as I said, they they've really taken a lot of attention in this lately in the last couple of years, and that's you know that's very much a response to changing international conditions. Yeah, again, so in the '80s there was a lot of concern about this competitiveness that we were falling behind Japan in particular. Uh, you know, and some of these new technologies. And then I wonder if we start, we stop being concerned. One, because the United States seemed to be doing so well in the 90s, and it's, we seem to be in the middle of a tech boom, uh, and everything seemed fine. Sure, you could look at some st the statistics from the early 70s, see this decline in productivity growth, but it picked up again in the 90s. And every day, you pick up the paper, you read about Silicon Valley, new tech advances. So maybe it didn't seem like there was. A, an issue. And then I, certainly the China, I think, is a big part. But maybe we also woke up to find out that all these great advances by Silicon Valley have amounted to, you know, social media and Google. All I think are important and all are valuable, but they, it didn't seem like Silicon Valley was working on the kind of stuff that would really, I think maybe to the average person, seem like would like radically change society or anything. Yeah, I mean, that, so that's a great, great observation, a great question. I mean, I think, so one thing to think about, um, you know, in the 90s, there, you know, I don't know that, that kind of the same, and I think there's something to the idea that, you know, the, the, the tech boom and uh, coupled with the end of the Cold War, you know, probably did, it, it helped to kind of shift um, the focus on, on federal R&D a bit. Um, but it's worth noting, I mean, there was an actually pretty, uh, a pretty notable pivot in the 90s. Um, in that post-Cold War period when, you know, the, the, the attention began to really shift away from defense-related R&D and towards life sciences R&D. Um, the National Institutes of Health was actually, the, the budget was actually doubled uh, between uh, 1998 and 2003. Uh, and that was a bipartisan, um, bipartisan effort from Congress, um, you know, led by Congress. Uh, both Democrats and Republicans got together and, you know, and I, and I think, you know, part of that motivation, again, was, was a pivot um, towards uh, a desire to, to address um, American health following the end of the Cold War. You know, so I think that is kind of where a lot of the energy went in the 90s uh, around, around R&D. But at the same time, there were also a lot of increases for certain agencies like the National Science Foundation and the Office of Science. Um, you know, the attention was there. I mean, several science agencies did see some pretty big gains in the years leading up to 9-11. To so I, you know, it's, I mean, maybe it's safe to say the focus was there, but it was a little bit more subtle, a little bit, you know, less of a, less of the national spotlight than it is these days. And um, to be clear, a lot of different government agencies do R&D. Uh, again, I'm pretty sure these numbers come from you guys. You have 
Defense Department, NASA, Department of Energy, Health and Human Services, finally, National Science Foundation, Agriculture Department, Interior, just, you know, just about everybody does some R&D. And even though we're going to talk about the National Science Foundation, uh, there, uh, you know, there's a lot, HHS, DOE, NASA, Department of Defense all do a lot more. There's a lot more money being spent on R&D there than the National Science Foundation. That's right. That's right. There's, um, you know, NSF is about a um, not quite a nine billion dollar agency, uh, and that is a lot smaller than you know NASA. You know, for comparison, is in the low of around twenty two or twenty three billion these days, uh, and its total budget, um, the defense R and D budget is up, you know, on the order of sixty seventy billion. So I mean, there's you know there's a there are lots of, of agencies that do a lot um, have much larger R and D budgets. Partly, I think that's you know, um, related to the nature of what they do, right? Again, defense, I mentioned earlier, DOD, I mean, they're, you know, a lot of that funding that goes towards technology development for, you know, new weapon systems and communication systems, um, you know, a lot of big ticket items there. Um, NASA, of course, has its Artemis program and its efforts at space exploration more generally. And so again, a lot of big ticket items. The Department of Energy has, you know, a mix of basic science uh, through the national labs, it has uh, some applied um, energy R and D programs in you know advanced nuclear and fossil and renewables. It also houses the National Nuclear Security Administration, which is uh, you know, quasi-independent uh, arm of DOE focused on uh, national uh, nuclear security and then you know managing the national stockpile. Uh, so you know there's a lot of different pieces in the in the federal R and D enterprise um, that serve all, you know some very different purposes. It seems like a lot of the focus in Washington is on beefing up the National Science Foundation, and there's been recent action in the House and Senate on legislation that would do so. Can you give us a sense about what Congress really wants to do as far as research spending going forward? Yeah, so there's, um, so for NSF at least, I guess there's, you know, really there's kind of two pieces of it, right? There's the the core piece of, of NSF, their, their, their basic science programs. It's historically what they've done, right? NSF is a basic science agency. It's geared towards uh, fundamental science, fundamental discovery, uh, you know, and funding, you know, primarily funding by funding universities. Congress has a lot of interest in strengthening that piece of NSF and, and you know, ramping up funding there to some, you know, to some extent. The other piece is the establishment of, of a new directorate at NSF that you know, some would call it a, a technology directorate, some call it a solutions directorate. And I think the idea there, and I think it's an idea, I should say up front, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, there's obviously you know, good and bad ways to implement it, but I think in principle, that idea makes sense. You know, maybe for, for three reasons, I would argue. Number one is the idea that it, it might be a good way to tackle more risky projects. Um, this new tech directorate, it would be modeled partly after the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, or DARPA, which is quite famous um, for achieving lots of kind of radical breakthroughs. And one way it does that is by, you know, tackling, you know, you know really risky um, uh, research and technology problems. You know, there's a phrase that you often hear, you know, DARPA hard, uh, quote unquote. Um, you know, they, 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 they go for transformational, really tough uh, research. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So that's, I think, part of the idea in the new NSF tech directorate, right? So, so it's increasing risk uh, and enabling riskier, uh, potentially high impact research. Uh, you also have uh, the visioning element, 
right? So a lot of NSF research is uh, investigator initiated. Um, and that's incredibly important, right? That's that kind of research, that kind of fundamental uh, scientist-driven um, research is, you know, I mean, you could say that's what kind of enables the, the steady march of, of progress in science. But if this new tech directorate, by establishing, um, you know, clear technological or societal challenges, uh, can provide a different way for researchers to think about problems and think about, uh, you know, the research uh, and the R&D activity. Um, and again, that's a, a model that's been used effectively by DARPA and other agencies and this kind of challenge oriented model. And then the third piece is, I would argue, is connectivity, right? Which is, um, you know, a, a, an explicit focus on not just, you know, doing research and achieving technological advances in, uh, you know, uh, key areas for competitiveness or, or for society, but also trying to translate those into uh, actual, you know, societal impacts, whether it's through, uh, you know, commercializing new technologies or implementing new solutions and uh, by, you know, by other societal stakeholders outside NSF. Um, you know, so I think those, for those three reasons, it makes a lot of sense to have to try this at NSF. Uh, and there are differences in, you know, how it should look, how big it should be relative to the rest of NSF. Um, a lot of, there's a lot of concern among both the science community as well as Congress that, if you make this new directorate too big, it swallows up the rest of NSF, and NSF kind of loses its 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 character um, and its you know its its kind of core focus. Uh, and there's you know I would agree there's something to that, um, but that's kind of the the idea of, of where things stand uh, right now as far as as far as NSF goes. Um, and then more generally, there's a lot of interest um, to bring it back to the you know the the, the China and competitiveness um, issue. There's a lot of interest in. Uh, other areas of uh, uh, or funding advanced technology to other agencies, uh, places like NIST, places like the Department of Energy, you know, focusing on AI, on quantum, on of course climate and uh, and low carbon energy. Um, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, no pun intended. There is a lot of seems to be a lot of energy behind uh, investing in R and D and innovation generally uh, in Congress right now. Is Congress mainly interested in funding? key technologies, at least technologies we think are key technologies like quantum computing or AI or batteries, or is there also interest in doing more funding for basic research that isn't about solving a specific problem? I mean, I really think it's both. Um, you know, I think there are, a, there are many in Congress who, you know, really do seem to value and understand the value of, of, of basic science um, and federally funded basic science. Um, you know, the government is the largest funder of basic science in the U.S., uh, the largest funder of university um, research in the U.S. And, you know, there's a, a lot of folks in Congress seem to understand that uh, and have expressed concerns over the, you know, the idea of focusing too much, uh, you know, in this new approach for NSF on, um, uh, on you know, on, on the kinds of, you know, defined technology solutions or challenges that we've been talking about. You know, at the same time, there are and that's, that's the NSF story. But again, there are other agencies that actually do have a bit more of a mission orientation. Parts of DOE would, would apply to that. Uh, you know, NIH, certainly. And, um, you know, the, the Department of Defense, NIST. I mean, there's, there's, there's other agencies that have more of, a, of, a, of that mission focus. And, you know, again, there is interest in doing something there as well. So, I mean, one of the, you know, the, the tricky things about, um, the federal research enterprise, you kind of mentioned this earlier, right? It's incredibly decentralized, which is good, but it also means that, 
you know, the decentralization means that, 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 that Congress and others can be thinking about lots of different things at the same time, whether it's protecting basic science in one corner, uh, advancing technological R&D in another corner, um, you know, funding, you know, ag research over here, uh, national security relevant research over there. Um, you know, there's, 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 there can be a lot of, a lot of activity in lots of different directions, you know, at any given, any given year. Does the issue of R&D research break down along partisan lines in a way you might expect? Because it seems like the current debates raging about the National Science Foundation and the Endless Frontier Act kind of scramble those typical partisan stereotypes. Yeah, so it's, so this the most recent debate over NSF and its new technology directorate, it, it, I would agree it doesn't fit neatly along partisan lines, what you might expect. And it's also not the first time that just R&D policy generally has kind of fallen apart, you know, regarding kind of partisan classifications of who should support what. I think there is something to the idea that generally, notionally, Republicans tend to be a bit more skeptical when it comes to um, more applied uh, R&D and technology research. They're more conscious of trying to, you know, walk the line between you know, where an appropriate role for government ends and where an appropriate role for industry begins. Um, and they're you know, perhaps a bit more skeptical of, of where they draw that line from government. Um, whereas you know, Democrats are more comfortable with, with government you know, doing a bit more technology research. Um, generally, at the same time, there are lots and lots and lots of areas where, um, where this idea has, has, has really fallen apart. And, you know, the NSF, this NSF um, debate, you identified it, that's, you know, one good example of how partisan politics don't really, uh, you know, hold up when it comes to R&D. You know, just in the past five years, um, you know, you've had bipartisan support for, um, you know, of course, basic science at an agency like NIH. I and mean, that's always been, you know, broadly supported across the parties. But then you've also had big increases in, in recent years for, uh, you know, technology research at the Department of Energy, uh, you know, for advanced nuclear and renewables and things like that. Um, and again, there is quite a bit of bipartisan support for that. And I think an important factor to think about when we think about R&D and who supports it or doesn't support it is the fact that a lot of it breaks down not along partisan lines, but, but along regional lines, right? Um, you know, there are both Republicans and Democrats who have you know, in their districts national labs or universities uh, or high-tech industry. And if, you know, in, in many cases, you know, if their constituents, if we see their, their constituents, you know, asking them to support uh, R&D, whether it's basic science, fundamental science, or it's more applied technology research, you know, it's the, the, what, what their constituents want, what, their, what the folks at home want, um, you know, often can be a big driver. And, and that, you know, doesn't always... Uh, you know, break down over partisan lines. I know if I speak, uh, if I talk to some, you know, some folks on the right, some Republicans about this issue, uh, I hear a lot, I hear a lot about Solyndra back from the Obama years. Mm. Does that, does that, does that, um, does that issue where, you know, the Obama administration is trying to fund some of these, um, you know, uh, you know, kind of clean energy projects and now some of them work out so well, does that, does that still play a role in the debate? Because I still hear people bringing it up. Um, I don't know that it, <laughs> I'm trying to recall the last time. I mean, it, 
I, I don't hear it as often as I as I used to. I mean, Solyndra, it's always sort of driven me nuts because it's not the Solyndra, that was not R&D, right? That was a loan guarantee program for, uh, you know, for exist, an existing company, um, you know, to try to scale up. It wasn't actually an R&D program. So when people bring that up as, you know, and point to that and say, well, we shouldn't fund R&D because look at Solyndra. Well, Solyndra wasn't an R&D project, um, you know, funded by the government. And, um, but in terms of, you know, I think it's, you know, it's, again, it's, it, if, if, as a symbol, as a political symbol, um, it may still resonate with some as, you know, as, as, you know, an example of, you know, government's inability to do technology, which I would argue is, you know, I mean, there's lots of more, lots more examples of the government, um, you know, being able to do effective research um, and translating that research into, into useful technology. But, you know, but it's, I, I don't, I don't know that, that I've, I've, I've heard it much lately. Cause again, you know, as you've said, I mean, there's, there's a lot of bipartisan interest in seeing more of that tech type research, you know, um, at NSF uh, and elsewhere, you know, so I don't, I don't, I, I, it's hard to say it really has the, the same kind of power as a political symbol that it did, um, given where Congress seems to be these days. How much of what's going on here is, and, 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 and I realize that particularly as we've been talking about this Endless Frontiers Act would, would have the National Science Foundation sort of doing something new in addition to its um, usual basic research activities. But how much sort of reorganization and how research is done and how we incentivize research? Is it just throw, kind of throwing money at the existing uh, processes or, are we try, or is there any thought to like doing it differently? Maybe, you know, making it maybe less bureaucratic or less risk averse kind of fundamentally how science research is done, at least that backed by the government. How much is that a focus of all these efforts? Uh, quite a bit. Um, one of the fundamental differences, and I, I don't think I, I really spelled this out earlier, but you know, one of the fundamental differences uh, or, or the new elements that, it's, that is proposed for, uh, for NSF um, and its new technology directorate is um, the idea that that, that, that projects will be selected in a somewhat different fashion. Typically, you know, NSF uh, makes its funding decisions through peer review. Uh, you know, it's, its peer review system is often seen as the gold standard um, in, you know, how, how to allocate funding for, you know, for fundamental science. Uh, it's been replicated, you know, throughout the world. But in this new technology directorate, the idea is to operate uh, less like like that, like NSF has, has traditionally um, operated, and a bit more like DARPA, in the sense that funding decisions for for projects would be uh, would be allocated by uh, by by program managers or project managers, right? So it's, it's what's called a strong manager model. Um, and again, part of the idea is that this is one way to um, enable pursuit of riskier endeavors. You know, there's there are strengths and weaknesses to this model, um, and I think the idea is that NSF, you know, in this new directorate, wouldn't totally, you know, do away with peer review. You'd still have, you know, variations. I think on, uh, you know, on on peer review, merit review that would, you know, it's. I mean, other agencies that 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 do this kind of thing that operate in this way, they still use, you know, ex, uh, uh, you know, panels of experts and communities of experts to weigh in on. Uh, on their programs and, and, and evaluate them and, and you know offer advice and guidance and I think the idea is that 
that kind of input would still be leveraged at this new tech directorate. But fundamentally, the project selection would be a bit different. And actually, then I should add, it's you know the, the, the strong manager model that I mentioned. I mean, that's one different approach. But there's also um, you know interest in advancing other kinds of approaches as well, whether it's prizes or uh, you know, sand pit models or, or, or other kinds of things. And I think if I, as I recall the house bill, uh, yeah, so I yeah, had the uh, prizes, uh, which I know a little bit about, it seemed like there was a time where people were pretty excited about that. So is that sort of continuing? Could be, it could be. Yeah. I mean, it, I guess it, it kind of depends on what ends up in the final bill, but there is interest in that, uh, as, as one, uh, alternate means for, uh, you know, for funding research and, you know, and more generally, I mean, there is, you know, we know that, you know, the head of NSF recently in, in congressional testimony actually said he'd like to see uh, the NSF budget increase so they could start offering, um, you know, larger grants, longer term grants, um, you know, which could offer some additional benefits when it comes to uh, risk taking or research impacts. Um, you know, generally speaking, I think there is a lot of interest. It, it's, it's it, there's interest in, in trying to do more to, to you know, modify um, how government funds research to achieve impact and reduce bureaucracy. But it's a it's a fine line because the system, the current system actually does work pretty well. Um, uh, you know, it's not perfect by any means, but 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 it does achieve results. It has, you know, um, you know, it's able to, to, to achieve positive impacts. And so I think the trick is is trying to make sure you're, you know, you know, find, is finding ways to enhance the current system. Uh, without sacrificing what makes it great and effective. We talked this could be some kind of inflection point, you know, both because of China and, you know, maybe people just think or be thinking a lot more about the power of science to really make big positive changes in society as, you know, we, you know, be able to get these vaccines up and running pretty fast here in the United States. Sure. Um, what is your expectation for funding sort of going forward? Is this, are we going to see sort of more funding and just more interest uh, whether it's basic research or applied science or what have you, you know, over the next decade or, or longer? I don't think, I, I, I really don't think the interest in, um, you know, R&D as a tool of competitiveness, you know, I don't think that interest is going away over the next decade um, because China's not going away, right? And, you know, the, 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 the gains and the investments we've seen in, in, in other countries, in Korea and, and so on, uh, you know, none of that, is going away. Um, you know, that is a challenge to U.S. Uh, preeminence in science and technology, um, and and so as a result of that, I, you know, I think the interest will be there. Um, what actually happens, you know, it's anyone's guess. I mean, you know, the, the the difficult part for Congress, I think, is kind of is 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 walking the line between making you know aggressive, robust investments while also trying to be fiscally responsible. I mean, there are you know. We all know the the, the long term fiscal outlook for the U.S. Uh, U.S. government is not great. You know, deficits are 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 large today, and then you know that will improve once we get past this current moment. But in the long run, um, you know, there is you know we do have rising deficits to to, to and uh, national debt to think about, and Congress is very well aware of that. How they balance, um, you know, those two uh, uh, two forces, um, you know, those two influences is anyone's guess. Um, but, you know, but, but I absolutely do think that, um, you know, that this, this recognition that R&D is important, um, is, uh, is, uh, you know, I don't think this is a transient thing. My guest today has been Matt Horahan. Matt, thanks for coming on the podcast. Sure. Thanks for having me.